0: RBI has to put it in the priority list so that will help in the retail uh, lending also and also the uh, corporate lending. I know Amitabh Khan, Nitin Kitkari, all these people have very good intent but it has to be, I mean they have to work closely with PMO, with the uh, finance ministry, Nirmala Sitaraman, they have to loosen their purse string. From a manufacturer's perspective, I would say that uh, you, know, you have a good balance of debt and equity, not to uh, look at just getting it financed by equity and for debt you know i think a uh, strong intervention by the finance ministry and rbi uh, one of my friends was telling me who worked very closely with uh, elon musk over there for this tesla so he he considered this as a totally different not an automobile product at all and not followed the typical automobile kind of a strategy otherwise tesla wouldn't have taken off the way it took off you know
1: Hello everybody, welcome back to another amazing episode of The Glam Show. On today's episode, I'm extremely excited to be joined by Bharaji, the former CFO of Mahindra & Mahindra and now a startup mentor to many EV startups. On today's episode, we are talking about the role of financial institutions in accelerating the adoption of EVs in India. We also speak about the challenges that these startups generally face with respect to financing and what can actually financial institutions, RBI and government can really do to accelerate the adoption of EVs in India while strengthening these startups. We also speak about can putting EV in the priority sector actually lead to getting these startups off the drawing board to actually the execution stage. This episode is really interesting. I really hope that you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did welcome sir on the climb up and our show i'm extremely honored and delighted to have you here with us today
0: thank you thank you so much i'm also really delighted to be here on this show you know.
1: thank yeah,
0: you ev is a very passionate mm. subject for me you know
1: what makes you passionate about ev tell me
0: so i've been associated with the ev ecosystem for the last 10 years you know 10 mm. years back when i joined mahindra and mahindra that was the time you know we acquired uh you know uh, the Reva brand and the Reva company in Bangalore from Mahindes, and it was a joint venture, and then it went on to become a fully owned company. Until about a few months back, until I was associated with the Mahindra Group, I was very closely and passionately involved with the uh, with the EV project and with the EV company. And now, in my second innings, uh, you know, as a startup mentor, I am involved with a number of EV startups, you know, uh, both in the four-wheeler space and the two-wheeler space. So, so, you know, I mean, having been associated for almost a decade on both the manufacturing and distribution and financing side, mm. uh, so, you know, that makes me very passionate about the whole thing. And I think there's a, still a lot of scope for the EV players, you know, and that's how I'm kind of mentoring a number of startups in this mm. particular area.
1: Oh, definitely, you know, there's a scope and we'll be addressing some of the challenges that startup face and how can they really overcome that. So mm-hmm. you know, like to start with, uh, this is one of the statements by Amitabh Khan, the CEO of Niti Aayog, where he mentions that financial institutions have an important role to play in accelerating the adoption of EVs in India, and transport and supporting the decarbonization of road transport. So I want to ask you that what according to you is the role of strong financial institutions and ecosystem in supporting India's EV ecosystem and as as a nation where are we today in building that ecosystem
0: yeah of course uh, the government of india has done a number of things uh, to kind of support this ev growth and we have seen this uh, over the last one decade uh, but so far the financial institutions uh, have not really come to the party you know, as much as viewed like from an industry perspective so the entire thing is either uh, funded by the players themselves the industry players because so far, the bigger players have been there who have, you know, good, good uh, kind of uh, cash flow. So they funded it largely through their internal accruals. But I would say going forward, especially, you know, when uh, new players come or, you know, startups come, I think the financial institutions have to kind of adopt a, yes. a little bit of liberal approach and uh, kind of, uh, you know, treat this as a priority sector. And for that, maybe the government also has to enact certain laws, RBI, that this is a priority sector. just like there are so many priority sectors. EV definitely is a priority sector. And let me tell you, the profitability, at least in the initial period, may not be that great. And because of which, it requires some kind of subvention also. As you know, the interest rates have started rising once again because of the high inflation scenario. And in this kind of a scenario, if, you know, one really looks at the traditional credit uh, risk, uh, you know, this would be a very high risk kind of a scenario, which would mean high interest rate. And uh, the EVs, uh, the, uh, the manufacturing plants or the distributors, they just cannot afford that. So it has to be done at, uh, with a subvention, which would come, you know, if you classify it as, as a priority sector. Maybe a, even a more kind of a subvention coming from a, some specialized schemes, you know, which government has been yes. giving, uh, you know, various incentives, but I think on the financing side, you know, <laughs> that those incentives have to be given one to from the manufacturing perspective and un- uh, another from the consumer perspective also, because uh, as we know, the cost of the batteries is very high yes, and yes. because of that, you know, the overall cost of the electric vehicle is still very high. Even if you consider all the savings due to the, you know, savings in the fuel cost, still the TCO, at uh, especially at the personal level, the, uh, the cost of operations uh, for a personal uh, user is still uh, not very viable. So, you know, the government is uh, doing various kind of uh, tax incentives, for example, for housing sector, where, you know, I mean, that initial euphoria is over. And right now, you know, various people are using just for their own tax planning. But really, you know, the, uh, I mean, one, one really doubts whether that kind of incentive is required. But definitely in the case of EV, an incentivization, is, in my view, is definitely should, should be there. Where a person, if, if they buy a EV, just like you have an interest deduction for uh, home loans, for an EV loan, if there's an interest deduction uh, from the income, then it will go a long way for uh, individuals to you know go for a uh, uh, loan for, for firstly to purchase the EV vehicle and then go for uh, a loan and on which you know they would get uh, interest uh, deduction which of course would be a very big incentive. So those kind of incentives are definitely required to push the EV system, particularly in personal vehicles, and similarly for commercial vehicles as well, whether it's for three wheelers or four wheelers. You know, I mean, uh, ultimately, the, they have to make sure that, I mean, this all this talk about green is very good, but ultimately it should be viable, it should be yes. viable both for the manufacturer and most importantly for the consumer, because if it is not viable for the consumer, they will not buy it. And we have seen it over the last one decade. I mean, despite of various things which have been done. I mean, the the consumer demand has not been, you know, to the extent like what we forecasted or what we thought will happen. And that is largely because of the price of the EV is substantially higher than the traditional uh, IC engine.
1: You know, this is something like recently I was in talks like with one of my family members so Uh like we were he wanted to buy a new car and we were just discussing I told him that why not to buy an EV and he like gave me a chart that he had drawn out like after researching where he mentioned that you know it's very expensive like he compared it to the normal vehicle and number of kilometers that he will be driving so he said that EV is not financially feasible for me you might want to purchase it because you know you come from this background or you are very strongly you know focused towards sustainability environment and everything but for me it's not feasible and he literally gave me a full chart drawn out that this makes ev very expensive for me
0: and now what you're seeing
1: i feel that you know like and at that point of time i really didn't have an answer to you know to the kind of uh, you know stats he has drawn up because to be honest the stats were correct
0: yeah yeah absolutely
1: I also want to ask you, sir, here that is the depreciation rate of EV less than the depreciation rate of a normal vehicle, because that also forms an important point for consumer to uptake and, you know, to adopt an EV vehicle, basically.
0: Depreciation rate is uh, not lower, but depreciation Mm. rate largely would impact the corporates. So corporate uh, demand is one thing, but, uh, Mm. you know, just like for IC engine, and uh, any popular car, you know, the demand is driven by the, uh, by the consumer and in the consumer, large portion of the Indian consumer is the middle class. And they are very conscious about their monthly budget. And you know, if you have a high cost of the uh, EV and the EMIs are high, you know, so either you give an interest rate, some kind of a subvention or, you know, like a priority sector, but there also it has a limitation. But, you know, what if, uh, I mean, and that is what happened about a couple of decades back when the housing demand, in spite of all the efforts from HDFC and from the government, was still not picking up. And then uh, one of the finance ministers, I don't know who, maybe Manmohan Singh, they decided to come up with a scheme of uh, special rate of deduction for uh, interest paid on housing loans. And that, I remember, I mean, that is the time I, I also went for a housing loan. Otherwise, I would... I said, you know, such a high interest rate, it is better to construct my own house from my own funds, which of course has its own limitations. But the moment this particular scheme said, came, you know, your immediately, you know, your cost of the loan came down significantly down because of the tax benefit. And that really spurred the housing boom in, in the country over the last two decades. I mean, it won't be a. Kind of exaggeration to say that, you know, it was driven by, by these government incentives like the interest, uh, this income tax exemption on the housing loan. So similarly for EV loans, there has to be some kind of a exemption which would drive the middle class to kind of, you know, manage their monthly budget in a way that EV becomes affordable to them, you know.
1: No, I definitely agree on this. And, you know, even the report that was released by Nitya ayog and the Rocky Mountain Institute and that actually said that, you know, uh, the importance of priority sector recognition for retail lending in the electric mobility ecosystem. And yeah. the report also sort of, you know, provided the considerations and recommendations to inform the inclusion of EV in the Reserve Bank of India's priority lending. The
0: priority sector. list, that's yeah. what I was saying. The RBA has to put it in the priority list. So, that will help in the retail uh, lending also and also yes. the uh, corporate lending. So, suppose if somebody is putting up an EV project and if he has to pay the commercial rate of interest where his project is assessed as high risk, whether it's for a working capital loan or a project loan, it would be uh, substantially higher. And, uh, you know, there are, again, I would like to mention that uh, today these uh, startups, because the interest is prohibitively higher, you know, they are looking for equity funding. Now, you know, I mean, the equity funding, it's, uh, it's uh, you know, I mean, they find it uh, just because they, uh, the uh, interest rates are higher on the loan. But uh, the cost of equity is not free, but they are willing to get diluted because you know, there is no other option. And initial, at that initial period, nobody will offer a good valuation and the dilution will be so high that, you know, I mean, ultimately, they'll be left with very little stake and very little skin in the game. And because of which the interest again will dwindle so the whole thing will become a non-starter so so that they are swayed away from equity and into a debt because the ev cost the cost of the project still is very high so you have to kind of have a good balance between debt and equity you cannot just think of funding it by equity because you will not get a premium in the beginning and uh, you know and uh, kind of if you dilute and uh, Put that much of equity. Firstly, that much of equity is not available in the market, and that's why a lot of these startups, you know, as I said, I'm very closely associated with these startups, and they are just struggling to kind of get off the, uh, uh, kind of no get off get off the board from the drawing board to the actual execution because of the lack of funding. So there again, you know, a good uh, priority sector kind of uh, approach will provide them uh, access to debt at a uh, you know concessional rate. And based on that, you know, uh, then they will get some equity funding also, which they can balance out and not have too much of dilution and uh, the project can take off. And of course, ultimately, as I said, after the project takes off, the EV comes on the road. It has to be backed by a strong retail lending and of course, infrastructure. So right now it is more of finances, but the infrastructure also has to be funded. Well, means particularly the charging, the charging stations, A lot of people are coming into it but uh, you know i mean at times you know at times of the high interest rate if uh, government again doesn't consider that as a priority sector then you know those uh, expansion of the charging infrastructure will will suffer you know and that will not be again good for the overall ev ecosystem so one is the project side then the charging infrastructure and then the retail side where the ultimate you know cost to the consumer should be within his uh, kind of overall budget constraints. We cannot, uh, you know, I mean, very few families in India will not have a budget constraint. Those are all HNIs. And if your uh, electric vehicles are just catering to the HNIs, you know, I mean, it's not going to take off because the volumes will st- just will not be there, you know. And HNIs may just go for imported cars, you know. Or, uh, you know, I mean, uh, some of these, uh, you know, uh, those luxury players are now coming with electric vehicles. Uh, this Mercedes and BMW and also they will go for those vehicles, but that will not help the overall e- EV ecosystem, you know. So, so you know, those are the I think the considerations which uh, which I think the government has to very seriously address because otherwise, you know, just by a talk of about uh, you know the uh, carbon neutrality uh, going green without uh, you know the financial viability being addressed. It will not take the EV ecosystem forward.
1: You know, like this. these were the challenges which I also read in the last year's report which actually mentioned, you know, like electric two-wheelers for the final mile delivery where they said, you know, while demonstrating the business model viability is a challenge for fleet operators, mm-hmm. many find it difficult to access the equity or debt to purchase vehicles that they lease to drivers for deliveries. That yeah, was two-wheelers. Yeah. Then coming to three-wheelers for, you know, for immediate public transport, which also said that due to higher capital costs, these drivers require financing to purchase the e rickshaws yeah. or e autos and they lack credit history again to prove that they can actually repay the loan and in that case uh, they don't even have a collateral so that again limits that and in the electric buses for example you know the debt finance requirements and fees make it difficult for operators to purchase the e-bus fleet yes yes, typically the operations are required to finance like operators are required to finance about 25 percent of the total capital cost as equity representing a significant down payment for a fleet of e-buses
0: yes exactly i mean those are the issues and which would require a very innovative approach. And uh, you know, What arguing, do you think would
1: be the innovative approach? Like, for example, what if you were in that situation to create something, what would you create? Like, what like solution or what approach would you use?
0: Yeah, one is, of course, from a manufacturer's perspective. Mm-hmm. I would say that, uh, you know, you have a good balance of debt and equity, not to look at just getting it financed by equity. And for debt, you know, I think uh, strong intervention by the finance ministry and RBI. To make it priority sector provide some good subvention in the interest rate so that it it lowers the cost of the project ultimately you know I mean and, and becomes affordable you know uh, the all those parameters like you know the debt service coverage and all if interest rates are too high, you will not be able to service the debt so so that will go a long way and then of course ultimately is the numbers, see once you put the vehicle on the road, And the numbers just don't come. Your project is stalled for all practical purposes. In in fact, it goes into unviable territory. And uh, and for that, absolutely, you know, uh, I mean, I have thought about it over the years. And to me, one of the solutions, at least, I have in my mind, is uh, this income tax benefit to the uh, to the EV, uh, you know, to the people who go in for EV loan. And that is the kind of thing which you know can make it affordable for them and prompt them to buy you know i mean in, in, in india you know people are very much driven by these income tax exemptions and all you know. when there was a housing this thing crisis government went for this housing loan uh, interest exemption then you know all these uh, various uh Savings, uh, you know, uh, those uh, wanted government wanted to the, the saving rate to be increased substantially. And then that's the time this uh, uh, exemptions came in a big Earlier, I remember the exemptions were not there, and then exemptions came in a big way in terms of PPF. So all these public savings, you know, LIC, LIC I think was there, but non LIC related uh, exemptions were not there and so people were just going for lic even everyone even people knew that it is uh, you know offering no return just because you're getting tax exemption your mind is like immediately like okay it's giving me tax exemption let me go for it so i can tell you i mean the demand will increase uh, uh, substantially and you need to just kick start see once you know just like a typical automobile and particularly in the earlier carburetor based engine you have to just kick start the thing and once it kind of kick starts then you know i mean it kind of just uh, goes on its own momentum so once you get the volumes in spite of all the other handicaps the volumes come in i can tell you the the, the whole ecosystem will uh, will just kick start including the charging infrastructure but there also it is a chicken and egg situation because they are not vehicles they are not putting uh, the charging stations and because there are no charging stations people are not w- buying vehicles I mean, even if i want to buy a vehicle. I mean, you know, I'm uh, not living in an apartment, I'm in a gated community and uh, I don't want to put a charging station in my house because, again, all the safety related risk, but there's no kind of a place where you can get the vehicle charged and even apartment uh, kind of people, you know, they are very reluctant to provide charging infrastructure. So you have to have a very strong kind of uh, this thing where maybe at the petrol pumps or some kind of designated places you have charging strategy, but that also has its own cost cost of real estate cost of the the technology itself cost of the equipment so all that will come you know and if people see the volumes uh, the number of vehicles flying around i mean that's what has happened in europe the volumes were very high particularly in north europe the volumes were so high that you know these all these things happened uh Almost immediately, you know, I and mean, one after the other, it supported. It was like a typical uh, the domino effect you have, you know, where you know one thing kind of leads to the other, and uh, just snowballs into a. I mean, and you see some of these uh, countries in North Europe, they they have more than fifty percent of the vehicles already in the EV category. You know, Norway and you know, others, just because you know there was so much of government incentive over there, you know, and government direct subsidy. I don't. Really see a government providing too much of direct subsidy to the consumers. You know, government is providing through this fame one, fame two, and that has its own limitation. We have seen, I mean, you know, that is not enough, you know, to uh, kind of, uh, you know, because as I said, interest rates are still high, people are looking for financing, and ultimately then people start comparing with the IC engine. And uh, the moment you start comparing with the IC engine, you know, at least at this stage, in spite of the fuel cost being high, People still think that, okay, it is uh, better and safer to go for IC engine. And then the, at the point of purchase, the, then the EV kind of a thing goes for a toss, you know. But the moment you see some extra incentive, the moment you see, okay, okay, this is a, you know, I mean, so let's go, you know, on the IC engine, you have, for example, no income tax deduction. Here you have income tax deduction. So let's go for it. Similarly, priority sector. There's no priority sector status for IC engine. So you have to do certain things for the EV uh, category way which just don't exist in the IC kind of, you know, again, you know, the government falls short of giving really, you know, path-breaking kind of incentives for for the EV sector. So then the EV system will not take off. Again, you will be going into that old uh, IC engine rate in spite of, you know, I know Amitabh Khan, Nitin Gitkari, all these people have very good intent. But it has to be, I mean, they have to work closely with PMO, with the... uh, Finance Ministry, Nirmala Sitaraman, they have to loosen their purse string, at least for the immediate. I mean, once the whole thing kicks off, then I think the kind of GST you will get on the you know, the incremental sales and all will more than compensate for any loss which the government may have on either uh, interest subvention or on income tax or any such thing. So those are just temporary. Ultimately, you know, it will the long-term benefits will be much higher, you know. And that is what I would strongly urge the government the players also, as I said, you know, as you said, uh, what as a you know, so suppose if I am EV player and most of the startups I advise them that don't fall into the trap of equity, you know. But they also have, you know, when we look at the numbers, they say at times you know debt is difficult to service. I say you you work out the economics in a way that you service the debt, don't shy of debt, and go for a kind of a all equity option because then you will demand a good valuation. Which uh, you know, which a PE investor or a VC investor will give you good value because well, your project may not take off, you know, And uh, and if they give you a good premium in the beginning, they also don't get uh, you know because they are taking a high risk. They would want a high return. So initial valuation they would want a lower valuation so that at least they can exit in the medium term. Even if the project has a, a kind of a lukewarm kind of a takeoff. So it, uh, you know those chicken and egg situation I see it every day. Especially with the kind of startups which I am working with, and uh, so the solution is, you know, I mean, somebody has to take the take the bull by the horn, as they say, you know, and and resist the temptation, which is very important, you know, so that you know you become carbon neutral, you control the emission, you you save on the you know the petrol and diesel costs. All the kind of statements which are made by the government, which are all in good intent and nothing wrong with them. But they don't see the light of the day because of uh, all these issues which I just mentioned. You know.
1: you know, you mentioned it quite rightly. And like quite recently, I interviewed someone, uh, you know, who was working on the two-wheeler space in the EV sector. And they said that, you know, their EV startup is self-funded. Mm -hmm. And like I was surprised, like you know, how did because I haven't heard of an EV startup that was self-funded, and they were very clear, you know, like we want to reach a particular threshold, and uske baal we want to raise funds.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is because they find the debt servicing very difficult, you know, because the volume uncertainty is there. So they, you know, so large players can do that. See the Mahindra Group, Tata Group, you know, Hyundai, Maruti. I mean, you know, when they say that you know they are laying out so many so much of funds for the EV sector. They have the internal generation and the deep pockets to kind of, you know, make sure that what you said is self-funded. Even uh, like the Ola has put up a EV setup. So, you know, I mean, because they have such a, a great valuation for the main business, which is uh, Ola itself, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, and to kind of leveraging on those uh, valuation they can almost self-fund. But uh, for, uh, you know, something to be viable in its own without any dependence on the parent, I mean, you know, then the self-funding cannot be an answer to, to start with, you
1: know. And also, like, I want to ask for you that, uh, like, many startups who are starting from different states, for example, I know of a startup who is particularly working now in Delhi and looking to, you know, expand Pan-India. Someone starting from Bangalore looking to expand Pan-India. What would be your advice to these startups when they're looking to expand Pan-India? Like, what, like, sort of finances should they be careful about? And, like, how can they really go about expanding Pan-India from a p- one state?
0: Yeah, so uh, so fortunately now we have this GST. So mm. so that kind of, you know, uh, those barriers between the states are broken and you have a single GST. So that helps in a pan-India expansion. But definitely, you know, I mean, one is of course the, uh, the dealership. Because see, in automobile, unlike in several other products, including some white goods also these days, we are saying that, you know, I mean, it's going for online sales. But in automobile, you know, people want the touch and feel. You have to have the servicing, so you have to have a network of dealership. You cannot, you know, kind of survive without a network of dealership. And the dealerships, uh, they if they are looking to go pan India, which I think most of them will, otherwise the volumes will not come. Is uh, you know focus on the cities, you know, to do some kind of a research, primary research, as to what all cities are the ones where the EV take uh, off take will be there. So one is of obvious is the is the metros, but some of the answers are not very obvious and it will surprise you. For example, uh, Mumbai doesn't have a very strong EV uptake uh, because of the traffic condition, because of you know there's so many apartments and people are you know I mean people are aware that the apartment owners are not very keen for the charging infrastructure and overall you know because of that the mindset is. You know, and for historical reason also, you can partly say that, you know, about uh, that EV penetration is not high. But in a city like Bangalore, for example, the EV penetration is very good. To some extent, even Pune, it is good. Uh, Hyderabad, it is good. NCR, of course, because of the state government incentive, the, the EV uh, penetration is increasing very fast. So they have to do a lot of this primary research to see what all cities they should focus on. because they cannot just focus on the A-grade cities. And then they'll soon find again that the volumes are not there. And at times some of these B-grade cities, you know, or uh, sorry, the uh, tier 2 cities, they may, you know, offer a good volume, you know. Particularly if that those particular states are giving reasonable incentive to the to the customer in terms of exemption from road tax, some other uh, other benefits. And this can see some good... For example, Maharashtra government, you know. In fact, we bought it out to the Maharashtra government that how come... Uh, The states like Karnataka and Telangana is doing so well on EV while Maharashtra is not. So they came out with a very strong EV policy. And, uh, you know, Mumbai also is now catching up uh, compared to what it was earlier. But some of these smaller, um, uh, you know, cities like Pune and uh, Nasek and Nagpur, I mean, you see the the EV kind of uh, thing taking off. So that research is very important to kind of, you know, lay down your footprint on a pan-India basis because you cannot have a because the volumes will not be there let's be you know uh, candid about it so you know you cannot have like uh, go into 50 cities because the cost will be so much that again it will lead to non-viability so instead of 50 cities you have to focus on 20 cities and when you have to cutting down from 50 cities to 20 you have to have a primary research which would say that these are the 20 most likely cities or the best cities for my product, for my vehicle.
1: Agreed. Also, you know, like, what is one common mistake that you have seen EV startups make and what would be your advice to them?
0: See, a common uh, mistake again and, uh, you know, I would not uh, name anyone because, hmm. I mean, uh, People who have done deep research, they would know. But uh, the thing is, you know, at times people don't focus on the total cost of ownership. Whether it's a, a personal consumer or a commercial consumer and they want to sell it on the basis of that okay it's a green product I'm yeah. um, now green product uh, you know people will like it but when it comes to the real uh, that time of writing the check means taking the decision of buying you know that's the time when you know they just lean towards the ic because they think as i said, as I said everyone has to manage their uh, monthly budget and it just doesn't work in that you know because the emis are being hired you don't have any other incentive you know, And similarly for the commercial owner also, whether it's a three-wheeler or a tempo or a two-wheeler and if yeah. you certainly find that, you know, I mean, I was better off in my IC engine or my IC kind of a rickshaw, uh, auto rickshaw or a tempo, then why should I go for it? So if they focus on the total cost of ownership, whether it is for the personal customer or for a commercial customer. Then you know the the volumes will come because you know then also you have to do work, work hard to convince them. But at least you have the uh, the numbers and you have the statistics and you have the backing. And then your then your salespeople just cannot do the normal pitching. You know, okay, it's a it's a good vehicle, it's a green vehicle. You know, you just buy it. It will not sell like that. You have to explain to them the economics. You know, I mean, typical uh, help them get a financing. That is also very important. I mean, you cannot assume because normal IC, you just go across uh, to a good bank, ICSA bank, HDFC bank, you know, uh, the the top or a public sector bank also. They are very keen to uh, uh, finance any of the IC products, but uh, they are not that keen to uh, finance the electric vehicles. And uh, plus, of course, the interest rates higher and everything considered is suddenly kind of, you know, uh, even if the person is genuinely interested, at times they don't find the financier. So if you have not done those kind of homework and also taught your sales team to kind of you know uh, go through that kind of a pain and selling an electric vehicle is a very different proposition than selling a IC IC vehicle. So those are the kind of uh, lessons, you know, I mean, I have seen and I have learned and uh, that's what I advise my startups. And uh, so that kind of a homework is very important so that you can and make your assumptions very realistic. Straight away you think that you will be selling some fifty thousand vehicles. I can tell you it will be a non-starter, and your product will come to a uh, you know I mean it will fail to even take off. You know, mm-hmm. so assume a kind of a gradual ramp up, mm-hmm. and, and as I said, you know I mean make provi- enough provision in your project cost about interest, mm-hmm. and uh, you know and try and kind of uh, get uh, the backing of some some known either a player or some known VC mm-hmm. where. You know, I mean, uh, a balanced approach is taken between debt, equity, various parameters, but most importantly, focus on the on the demand side. I mean, you know, very little work at times. You know, people get so much, uh, you know, kind of obsessed with the. You know, I, I was looking for the right word. Obsessed with the technology that okay, I have the best technology. And, you know, we are green. We have everything. You know, this is least emission. This is maximum power, maximum range, good speed. You know, all this thing without really looking at the demand side. I mean, they assume that with all these things, you know, demand will automatically happen. It's not going to happen. So just like, you know, you come up with a new product, it's virtually like a new product, you know, you have a new product. You, I mean, we'll not just sell, you know, even if it is the best product, you have to educate the customer about what is so great about this product. Why should I buy this instead yes. of buying a, a some other product, you know? So, so, you know, and almost all the companies have done, whenever there is a revolution which brings a new product, you know, companies have gone ahead and educated the customer, worked hard on that and that's where they've got the volumes and the automobile players have to realize and I think uh, one of my friends was telling me who worked very closely with uh, Elon Musk over there for this Tesla. So he, he considered this is a totally different, not an automobile product at all and not followed the typical automobile kind of a strategy. Otherwise Tesla wouldn't have taken off the way it took off, you know. He followed a completely that, okay, you know, this is a, you know, I mean, based on, of course, the parameters over there, a very non-conventional approach to produce and to sell his vehicles and uh, not compete with the, with the big three at all, you know. So, of course, I mean, some comparisons will be drawn with the IC. But you cannot just uh, kind of, you know, just follow that road and say and try and compare and say uh, just because it is green, it is carbon neutral. Okay, it is costing you a little bit more. But still, you know, somehow you buy it, you know. I mean, it will not happen. <laughs>
1: and that's the reality. And we have to address the practical reality. And, you know, maybe I think, you know, Mahesh Babu also said the same thing.
0: Ah, Mahesh is a very good friend of mine. Incidentally. We worked very closely during our Mahindra days for the, you know, uh, this electric project. Ah, so you were saying something. What did he say?
1: He also said the same thing, you know, like sometimes engineers forget, you know, the marketing side and yeah. you know they are so down deep into technology that sometimes they forget to address and that they have to address. Mm-hmm. so you know having said that now like give me the name of you know maybe two or three startups or th- companies which you feel that uh, you know EV startups can look upon and these are like aspirational companies or aspirational startups that we can follow
0: yeah, one aspirational one of course I mean, they are now talked by some controversy also because some of their vehicles have some technical flaws mm-hmm. is this uh, Ola Ola Electric is a very good uh, kind of a startup example where mm-hmm. of course Bhavesh you know with all his understanding of a startup and how to start a venture, I think he he's done well and uh, he is expected to do very well, you know. Mm. And uh, I think amongst the uh, the traditional players, of course, Tata and Mahindra, the two uh, you know, which uh, in the long run, okay, to so Mahindra had initially hiccups, but I think in the long run, uh, Tata and Mahindra. Would be the two strong players because people are, who are coming with the expensive uh, EVs, they, I mean, they will find initial kind of a, kind of attraction amongst the as I said, you know, HNI's or people with a good wallet. But uh, you know that that is not sustainable in my view. And uh, then you know, I mean, there are kind of a number of uh, smaller ones. But as I said, you know. I mean, one will have to just look at, uh, you know, I mean, how they get fully funded before that takes off itself. And I said, you know, that's what the challenge we are grappling with. So maybe I'll be able to, you know, some of them if we get the financial closure over the next few months. I mean, we were looking to get the financial closure, but then now with the interest rate hikes and the funding crunch and all. So, the, people are struggling with the, uh, with the financial closure. In fact, uh, Switch Mobility is another one where yeah, Mahesh yeah. Babu is there. That's also very promising. Ashok Leyland yes. is, though it's a late starter, but uh, they've done very well. And I'm with, of course, uh, Mahesh Babu being there is a very big thing itself. Mm. But apart from that, uh, backing of the Leyland group and overall, I think the strategy from whatever I've seen, they're also expected to do very well in you know, Switch Mobility. And others, as I said, you know, maybe two, three months, if we achieve the conclusion, I may be able to give you a couple of more names.
1: Thank you so much for, you know, sharing all that with us. And thank you for being with us today. I just want to know, like, one last thing from you that what role or what can we as media platform do uh, to be with, you know, the EV startups, to be with the EV ecosystem in this transition?
0: Well, that's a very good question. Uh, and I would say that... Uh, you know uh, you people are already doing a great job in terms of the green revolution and uh, all the other benefits but you have to emphasize both to the entrepreneurs and uh, and to the government Mm. that it's not a very easy journey it's in fact a very difficult journey so people should not, you know, I mean, at times people get swayed, you know, I mean, oh, EV, you know, and uh, then they draw on some example from Europe or from US, and you know, and they think that they have hit upon, you know, just because again they have the technology, they they can just uh, go and make it a success. A success and EV, at least for the next five years, would be very difficult to come by. I don't know, to kind of you know put a uh, that pessimistic note, but I think one has to exercise that kind of, you know, you have to work very hard. And working hard, as I said, to make sure that the demand actually takes off. Working hard on the marketing, on the financing side again. You know, working with the government, and and then you know, as the U.S. media people, you know, you are influencing the uh, you know the customer side quite a lot, which is very appreciable. The manufacturer and the overall automobile EV system, but put some some kind of a financial uh, sweetener also there because it's a very difficult space. And uh, the real, uh, you know, the proof of the pudding will happen when, uh, uh, you know, I mean, the EV volumes, for example, cross the six-digit mark and all that. So, that to happen. The government has to kind of uh, take some bold steps. And those bold steps require a very bold approach, you know. And, uh, you know, again, uh, you know, I mean, we have seen a lot of uh, finance ministers take quite a number of bold steps over the last uh, 30 years. And, you know, they have uh, kind of, it has become now folklore that you know the kind of uh, the the way these bold steps have helped the Indian economy. So similarly I would say that if the government takes some more bold steps and bold steps just doesn't mean doling out subsidy I mean I'm all I'm not for it at all just uh, doling out uh, you know like 2 lakh subsidy for one vehicle and all that's not going to work and what if once uh, because that will be temporary once it gets withdrawn I mean that's the end of it you know and then again it will kind of crash down so bold steps you know with a little bit of imagination, with a little bit of you know that kind of a work, and uh, and then it will pay off. The payoff will be significant, you know, whether it is for the manufacturers or or for the government. So so this uh, that is where I think you as influencers, you know, I, I mean of course uh, at the I would say the first and the second stage, you people have done a great job. I think the next stage is just to kind of you know let uh, the government realize that you know it is it's not a very uh, very easy space it's not that you know uh, the the ic players have worked you li- uh, know less hard or some other reason has happened and the whole thing is that it is a difficult kind of a thing you know and uh, they have to kind of uh, fully be in that journey so that you know they can ease the pain of the manufacturers of the retailers everyone you know and ultimately of the consumer and that's when the you can see the the real takeoff will happen, whatever in 2025 or you know I'm I'm still betting on 2025. But for that, as I said, it's not going to happen automatically. A lot will have to be done, and that's where Shweta, people like you, you know, definitely will have to, to be a be a strong influencer. And not that you are not. I, I read your posts uh, continuously on LinkedIn and uh, you know other uh, forums, but uh, you know, uh, one has to kind of work with the likes of, you know, people who are strong influence, and, and, and maybe PMO has to, because they are all such diverse ministries, maybe PMO has to kind of, you know, bring the entire thing together, you know, in terms of uh, some kind of a package for the customers, you know.
1: You know, that's what the intent of the entire conversation like these conversations are not just to enable startups and you know, like to help them, but also to bring out these challenges, you know, which will come only when we talk to people like you to startups who are facing issues. And maybe these challenges can serve as opportunities for government to work on. So like, you know, thank you for doing this. And thank you for doing the work you're doing. And please keep sharing like, you know, all these with us. And I hope that together we can do something.
0: Yeah, thanks. Thank you, Shridhar. Thank you so much for you know allowing me to kind of you know say a few things and uh, you know. So, but uh, I hope uh, you got the kind of inputs which you you were looking from the talking. Yes,
1: thank you so much. Thank,
0: thank you, Shridhar.